We're going to continue our series today on famous people of the Bible, and what we're going to do today is work our way through an exciting record that comes out of the Old Testament from Daniel chapter 3. It's one of my favorites, but Daniel chapter 3, the book of Daniel has four main characters. Of course, Daniel, that the book is named after, has the leading role. He's kind of the star of the book, but there were also three supporting characters in this book as well. They're kind of like the three musketeers or the three amigos or whatever, you know, one for all and all for one. In fact, every time that one of their names is mentioned, all three of their names are mentioned. They're never mentioned individually by themselves, but always together, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now you know that the kingdom split after Solomon was king. Rehoboam, his son, gave a rather harsh answer to the Israelites who wanted their burdens made easier. And he followed the counsel of the young men rather than the counsel of the older advisors. So the kingdom split, ten kingdoms became the northern kingdom of Israel, two kingdoms, two of the tribes became the southern kingdom of Judah. The northern kingdom was besieged and carried off into captivity in 722 BC by Assyria. But Judah still continued on until they came and were conquered by Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians in 576 B.C. And so they're now in captivity in Babylon where they're going to be for 70 years, all because of unfaithfulness. They had not followed the commands of God. They had engaged in idol worship, worshiping other gods, and just totally turning away from the commandments and the ordinances, the statutes that God had given them through Moses. So God allowed the army of Babylon to besiege the city of Jerusalem, and they had taken the Hebrews captive. The king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, had a number of the young, intelligent, handsome Jewish men placed into special training so that they would be able to serve him and his kingdom. And Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were four of those young men that were chosen. Now they had to enter into three years of training before they went into the king's presence to serve him. But thanks to an interpretation by Daniel of one of Nebuchadnezzar's dreams, all four of them were placed in high positions in Babylon. They had incredible responsibilities. Not bad for four young Jewish slaves who actually were foreigners. And so when you come to Daniel chapter 3, the strange thing in this chapter is that Daniel isn't even mentioned. Just the three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Where was Daniel? I don't know. Commentators and scholars speculate that maybe he was out of the province of the time, you know, on a special trip on behalf of the king. But he's not mentioned. But what happened, presumably, even if Daniel were gone, was that things evidently were still going pretty good for Nebuchadnezzar. And for some unknown reason... Nebuchadnezzar decided to have a golden image made, nine feet wide, 90 feet tall. He made a decree 
that at the dedication service of this monument, he told all of his political leaders and religious leaders that were present, when the music plays, you must bow down and worship this golden statue. So everyone was out there. Hundreds, maybe thousands of people. The Bible says that all of his officials, the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the advisors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all other provincial officials. That's eight categories of people there that were just on his council, his staff. All right. Were there any common people there? I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. It doesn't list them. But you can't help but think that even if they weren't invited, that someone was sneaking around trying to get a peek, right? And so all of these religious and political leaders are there, heads of state. The music starts. Everyone bows down to this golden statue, and they worship it. Everyone except for three guys. In a group of hundreds or thousands, where everybody falls to their knees, but three are left standing, it's kind of conspicuous. Kind of obvious, don't you think? Stands out a little bit. But there were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego still standing. You also need to understand that Nebuchadnezzar ruled with an iron fist. And he's not accustomed to people defying his orders. He was an able general. He reigned for 40 years. And as far as anyone knows, there is no record of him ever losing a battle. Except with God. <laughs> All right? And so when he sees these three men still standing, it infuriates him. But in Daniel 3, beginning in verse 8, At this time some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You have issued a decree, O king, that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold, and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you've set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you have set up. So here come the tattletales, and they tell on these three. These three men would not bow down. They would not worship this graven image. Do you think that they were familiar with the Ten Commandments? Well, I would think so, being Jewish men. I think they knew the law of Moses. They knew that they were not to make any graven images or bow down or worship anything like that. They knew this was one of the commands that God had passed down to Moses. But when you look at this passage and you try to make the application to yourself, what question do you ask yourself? What would I have done? Right? Isn't that the obvious question? If I would have been there, what would I have done? If I were a Jewish person there, commanded to bow, what would I have done? Would I have compromised? Would I have bowed? Or would I I have stood? 
I'm sure there were probably some people there around Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego saying, get down, get down. Your God will never know. I mean, he's not going to know about what you did. And even if he does know, you could lose your life over this. That's Nebuchadnezzar. This is, this is serious business. And believe me, if, if he really is God, he will understand. You can be a stronger testimony for him alive than you can be dead. Can you? But these three Hebrew men wouldn't alter their convictions to save their hide. They would not bow down to the image made of gold. So application time. What would you have done? There are situations every day where you're faced with decisions that reveal your commitment to Christ. Right? I mean, practically every day, there's going to be something that will reveal your commitment level to Jesus. So what will you do? Will you compromise and bow down, or will you stand firm? Same thing happens over in the sixth chapter of Daniel, right? You know that part of the story, where uh, some of these leaders are jealous of Daniel's position, knowing that he prays to his God every day at certain times, opens the windows of uh, his windows of his face, faces towards Jerusalem, gets down on his knees and pray. So they convince the king, Darius, to issue a decree that no one prays to anyone except Darius for 30 days. But they know Daniel won't follow that. Sure enough, they follow, they spy on him. Daniel goes back home, even after he knew the decree, opens the windows towards Jerusalem, gets on his knees and prays, and ultimately he's thrown into the lion's den. You know that story. If Daniel would have been there that day with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, don't you think he would have been standing too? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you're not going to be asked to bow down to a 90-foot golden statue. And you'll probably never be asked to, to not pray to anyone except some kind of human representative. But many of you will be asked to bow down to peer pressure or to bow down to materialism or bow down to some type of addiction. But the question is, will you stand when everybody around you is bowing? Are you going to compromise the truth when your boss asks you to in order to land that big deal for the company? Or maybe, you know, you take off for college. Are you going to party like crazy just because you're in college and everyone else is doing it and nobody back home will know? Can you courageously and lovingly speak up for Christ? when you see that you're, you're the only one that has a personal relationship with him. And you know something that makes it easier to take a stand? It's when you've got some people around you that stand with you. You notice there are three here, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, not two, but three of them. And I wonder if at any point that once this decree was made, if there was any hesitation on the part of any of them, and if so, did the other two say, hey, you know, we've got to stick to our guns on this. We've got to stand together. I, I don't know if that happened. But it sure helps when there are others standing with you. 
Ecclesiastes 4 verse 12 says, A cord of three strands is not quickly broken, not easily broken. So God expects us to be distinctive. He expects us to stand when others bow and compromise and give in. And that's why it's important that we build relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ who can help us to stand. When we stand together, it seems that we can be more courageous, more certain, more willing to take that stand. Because you see, believing friends share common convictions. They share common convictions. If you're a Christian... At times, you need to challenge and encourage Christian behavior with others. You go back to verse 12, where get, they get told on, somebody tattles on them. There are some Jews whom you've set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you've set up. Now remember, these three didn't just suddenly get these convictions. It didn't happen on the spur of the moment. They already had these moral convictions. They had them from the beginning. When you first meet them in the very first chapter of Daniel, they resolved with Daniel not to defile themselves with the king's food, the royal food and wine. All the other young men there were eating the king's unclean food, but yet these friends asked for food that would not defile their deep convictions and beliefs. And it was permitted, and after that period of time, they were healthier and look better than anybody else. They stuck to their guns. So they didn't just suddenly get these convictions. And that bold decision is just another carryover from their commitment that they already have to the one true God. But Nebuchadnezzar's not happy, though. So in verse 13 of chapter 3, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these Men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, In essence, I'm going to give you one more chance. Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I've set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music. Did they have praise bands back then? I don't know. <laughs> they had a lot of instruments. Wow. If you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you'll be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Well, we know what God. A believing friend share common convictions. And these three believing friends stood together in the face of persecution. At the threat of their life. Man, we need to hang tough. Billy Graham once said, Courage is contagious. When a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others are often stiffened. <laughs> that's a good quote. That, that's, that's great. And it's always easier to take a stand if you have a friend or two beside you. I mean, how many of you like doing things with other people because it helps, it helps keep you on track? You know, it's always easier to do something like, like fitness training if you've got a friend to do it with. I don't have a friend to do it with, and you can see the result. All right? No. <laughs> Lifting weights, going to Weight Watchers, whatever, standing up for something that is right at, your, at the place where you work. Maybe talking to someone who doesn't know Christ, when you've got a believer beside you, it becomes a little bit easier. But two or three are there, all right. 
And look at verses 16 through 18, because this is the, the crux of the entire book of Daniel. In fact, it's rather unusual, because this is the only statement recorded for us in the entire Bible from the mouths of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The only statement. They replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. So these three Hebrew friends are hanging tough in the midst of persecution, leaning on each other. You and I are going to face persecution just like they did. We're going to go through tough times in life, right? Who among us here this morning can't tell somebody about a tough time they've been through or a way they've been persecuted maybe because of their faith? 1 Peter 4.12 says, Don't be surprised at the painful thing you're suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. You know, it's tough being a preacher right now if you were in Canada because there are preachers there being jailed for preaching what the Scriptures say. I wonder how long it'll be before it might happen in this country. It's already happened in this country where preachers have had their sermon materials and things confiscated because of supposedly being accused of hate speech and stuff simply because they've preached what the Bible says about certain topics. That's already happened in the U.S. I wonder how long it'll be. If you're sincere about your faith, you can expect persecution. 2 Timothy 3.12, Paul says, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That's good news, isn't it? But it's going to happen. Already happening throughout the world. So, again, we come back to that question, the real question, what will I do? Will I stand when others bow? In verse 19 of chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And what kind of soldiers had he chosen? The strongest soldiers in his army he just lost. Yeah. But isn't this unbelievable? They toss him into this fiery furnace. The furnace is so, so, so hot that the dudes that throw him in die. Now, you would think that was the end of the story. And that the king would be saying, all right, that's done for. They're toast, all right. They're history. I'll never have people defy one of my decrees again. But in verse 24, King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, O king. He said, look, 
I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. See, believing friends are accompanied by Jesus Christ. They are. And we, we're here in the Old Testament, hundreds of years before the Christmas story, hundreds of years before Jesus is ever going to be born in Bethlehem, sent from heaven, and all of a sudden he makes an appearance in the Old Testament. Nebuchadnezzar says, I see four men. One of them looks like a son of the gods. You see, that was the only way that this pagan leader knew how to describe what he saw. He had no spiritual vocabulary. So he used the language of paganism to describe a spiritual reality that was beyond his ability to understand. And these three friends are now joined by the Son of God and they're moving about freely. Whatever bound them, because they had been bound, tied up when they'd been thrown in, that is disintegrated, but they're just fine. They're moving around freely. Probably, maybe having a good time, don't you think? Wouldn't you? If all of a sudden you're in the midst of the fiery furnace that had been heated seven times hotter, and it's having no effect on you, and the Son of God is standing there with you, don't you think you'd be having a pretty good time? I mean, probably walking around saying, we didn't start the fire. Hey, we didn't, you know, I don't know. They're having, what, that's a paraphrase, by the way. Yeah, maybe so. Verse 26 says, Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. Now, you remember how hot it was in the entry area, okay? And that the men who threw him in died because of the heat and the flames. I don't know. I, I think I'd have been tempted if I were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to have said, Oh, king, we can't hear you. Come a little closer. No. But they didn't do that. In verses 26 and 27, we read, So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire hadn't harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. That's a miracle. And what a miracle it was. Their bodies aren't harmed, robes aren't scorched, not even a whiff of smoke. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 2 and 3. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. He was with the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. When you pass through the rivers, they'll not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. You may read that verse when you read the book of Isaiah and think in a spiritual sense, but this was literally true for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Literally true about the water with other people, not only the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. How about Jonah? How about when they crossed the Jordan? Wow. Wow. We're all going to go through fiery trials and times of persecution. 
those fiery trials are, can bind Christian friendships together. But again, it comes back to the question, what will I do? Will I stand when others bow? You look back at verse 28. King is singing a different tune now. He says, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Wow. And then get ready because this next verse gives us a dramatic change in public policy at that time. You knew what the decree was before to bow down and worship the golden statue. But look at verse 29. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble, for no other God can save in this way. And we would say, Amen to that. Don't you think Jamie Johnson right now would say, No other God can save in this way? And Hannah McVeigh. And Scott Silverthorne, and every one of you sitting here this morning who has experienced the salvation that is found in Christ Jesus can say no other God can save in this way, right? And after seeing this miracle, Nebuchadnezzar reverses the decree for an entire nation. Why did he do it? Did he do it because of a powerful lobbying effort? Because of a protest march down Main Street? No. The king changed because three believing friends stood together in the face of death. So let me ask you this. What could you and your Christian friends accomplish if you were to bind together and say we will stay the course and take a stand for the one true living God? What could you accomplish? Because you see believing friends can impact an entire community can impact it. In fact, you can impact an entire nation. You can make a difference. Incredible things can happen when God's people stand up for what is right. I mean, it blows me away when I read chapter 3 here of Daniel. I realize it was just three guys that took a stand. And the highlight moment is that one statement that's recorded by them. Our God's able to save us, and He will. But even if He doesn't, we're still not going to bow down to your idol. We're still gonna, only going to serve Him. And you see, at different points in your life, you're going to be tempted to bow down to the statues of Satan. To bow down to, to whatever, something that is opposed to the will of God. And that's when you have the opportunity to say, I will be distinctive. I will be different. I will stand for God. You're going to go through some fiery trials, but if you stand firm, then God looks forward to rewarding you someday. James Dobson said this, It is comforting to note that only Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. That fourth man, whom we believe to be the Christ, remained there to comfort and protect you when you go through your fiery trials. That's a good thought. And Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. And that's exactly what he did for us. So again, One last time, the challenge. 
Will you stand when others bow? We come to a time of decision today. And of course, every time we have an invitation time, it's an invitation for someone to accept Christ. He was the one that was in the fire with them and brought them safely through. And he's the only one that can bring you safely through life and take you to the Father's house to eternal splendor in heaven. He's the only one. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And the scriptures tell us how to come into that saving relationship with Jesus. Once we hear the good news of what he did for us, dying on the cross to save us from our sins, we have to believe that. That belief should lead us to repent of our sins. Then our willingness to confess our faith in him as the son of the living God, being willing to be immersed in water, which is what baptism is, for the purpose of receiving the forgiveness of our sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then we live the life of faithfulness. Probably all of you here today have done that, but if you haven't, this invitation time is for you to do that. Most of you, though, I, I know have already made that decision, but if you're looking for a home congregation where you can link arms with other brothers and sisters in Christ that will help you to stand, maybe you'd want to become a part of New Hope Christian Church. We'd love to have you as a part of our church family. So whatever decision you might want to make public, you can meet me down front as we stand, as we sing. Mm -hmm.